You'll never believe what I saw last night. There was this creature in my backyard. Ugly thing. Didn't look natural. Then when I turned on the floodlights, it... it wait a second. Who, who are you guys? What are you doing in my... What is that? What are you gonna... What was I saying? Funny. I don't remember. On this episode of Moving Panels, we discuss Men in Black. Welcome to Moving Panels, the podcast where we discuss movies and TV shows based on, inspired by, and adapted from the world of comic books. I'm your host, Laramie Wells, and joining me in the co-host chair are the two men who helped me decide that this movie is one of the best comic book movies of the 90s. First up, he's our very own Agent K, the wise and seasoned veteran of all things movie-related. From the 80s flick flashback (laughs) podcast, it's Tim Williams. You know the difference between me and you is... I make this look good. Uh, or, or, or do you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. Do you? I'm trying. I didn't put my yeah. sunglasses on for that part. Uh-oh. And next up, from Pop Culture Roulette, he likes his water with a little extra sugar. Please welcome Nicholas Pepin. <laughs> See? See? <laughs> See? <laughs> Okay. See? <laughs> By the way, can I can I say it, I mean, we're going to probably jump around. We always do. We but always do. When Jay and Kay go to visit Edgar's wife and mm-hmm. she gives them the lemonade and you see Jay's face react mm-hmm. because it doesn't have any sugar in it. <laughs> it's, I lo- love that it's just in there. Like yeah. they don't say anything. They right. don't reference anything. Right. I don't yeah. even know how many times I've seen that movie until I finally picked up on that scene. I know it wasn't oh, yeah? it wasn't the first time I watched it. It was just like it was more recently. I was like, oh, there's she's out of sugar, <laughs> so that's why. Yeah, so it, that's why he puckers up and then spits it out because it is just straight lemon juice. Right. What it right. Is. So yeah, we are talking about Men in Black, which uh, came in second of our 90s uh, bracket from uh, about a month ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, Blade, the one that won, Nicholas and I had already done. So we decided, hey, let's do this one. Let's uh, let's do Men in Black. So here we are. Uh, I I will ask you guys, uh, do you regret the decision yet? Are we still we still good with Blade? I'm still good with Blade winning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, so Men in Black was released July 2nd, 1997, back when Will Smith owned the Independence Day weekend. Yep, yep. Fourth of July weekend. This was, I didn't look up the dates, but I know Independence Day obviously came out around this time. Mm-hmm. Then he had Bad Boys. Not sure if Bad Boys came out around this time, but he would get this one. This would be like his third big blockbuster movie. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the sequels. And then there was... Wild Wild West, which I think ended <laughs> his Independence Day he had domination. A, he had a long, long streak of box office hits that I mean Wild Wild West didn't it didn't help him, but it didn't hurt. Right. Like I yeah, mean he, he bounced back pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, he, he dominated the, the box office for a long time. It's only been in the last few years that his movies have failed to make the kind of money that they used to make. Yeah, he trailed yeah. off. I mean, it's it's been a while since he's had a hit movie. He's still, I think the yeah, I think the nineties. Oh, he had a really big hit about a a week a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. I see what you did there. 
But like, I think, you know, the nineties were definitely his prime and even maybe the early two thousands. But I think by the time you got to like the two, the 2010s to now, because I, I guess he, maybe he just wasn't working. It, they weren't coming out as often. So. No, I think that's because I know him and Tom Cruise had like one of the longest stretches of like hundred million dollar movies or hundred mm-hmm. when, when hundred million dollars was a, a lot thing, of money, a lot of money for, you know. <laughs> Right for box office, but like there, yeah. there was a long stretch where it was like, if you want a bankable movie, you get Tom Cruise or you get Will Smith. Yeah, yeah. You know, now, now neither one of them seem to be bankable, but you know, oh, I guess Tom Cruise yeah. is still pretty bankable. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was about to say Tom Cruise still has the Mission Impossible movies he's pushing out there. Yeah, but yeah. This was during the time when I think it was they they said that uh, Will Smith was the king of summer, and Tim Allen was the king of Christmas because. Pretty much, you know, every Santa Christmas Claus. there was a Santa Claus movie that he was coming out with, and then the following summer there was another Will Smith movie coming out with. So, and much so now you got me looking. So, so we've got the '90s here. We've got, of course, Independence Day and Bad Boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bad Boys was '95. Independence Day was '96. Okay. The Men in Black was '97. And then in '98, he had Enemy of the State. That was big. That was his, yeah. Yeah. 99 was Wild Wild West, which was big, not good, but it made it it made money, but it didn't have the the sustaining power at the box office as the other ones. Then 2000, I think a lot of people forget this one. The Legend of Bagger Vance. Yeah. Yeah. 2001 was uh, his Oscar nominated Ali. Mm -hmm. Then Men in Black 2 and O2. Right. Bad Boys 2 and 03. Mm-hmm. I, Robot, and Shark Tale in 04. We got Hitch in 05. I just realized this man made one movie a year. Like, mm-hmm. uh, So Hitch in 05, Pursuit of Happiness in 06, I Am Legend in 07. Now, 2008, he had both Hancock and Seven Pounds. Yeah, which didn't do as well. Then there's a gap, and not until 2012, where you get Men in Black 3. Right. Then uh, he... Ooh, then Earth. 2013 <laughs> is After Earth. Yeah. yeah. There, there's where it tanked. Oh, right there. Yeah. And I mean, it, really, yeah. that's where it tanked. Because you got After Earth, Winter's Tale, Focus, Concussion, mm-hmm. Suicide Squad, Collateral Beauty. Yep. Then he jumped to Netflix. I'm, for Bright. <laughs> right. Then, then over to Disney for Aladdin. Mm-hmm. Then he thought, "Hey, you know what? I'll do another weird sci-fi movie and did Gemini Man." Mm-hmm. And we got voice work with Spies in Disguise. Then Bad Boys for Life in 2020, mm-hmm. and then of course King Richard in 21, and Emancipation in 22. I mean, I know this is not the we're talking about Men in Black, but why in the world would you call Bad Boys Three Bad Boys for Life? <laughs> yeah use yeah i don't know why do they name the fast and furious movies the way they that's that's that's, that's a whole nother podcast right yeah right. and not not ever for this one uh so <laughs> so let's let's get back to men in black so again released july uh, 2nd 1997 and to follow tim uh with his podcast did you guys see this one in theaters? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think yeah. Nicholas and I saw this in theaters together, probably. 
Well, uh, you said it was an Independence Day release. Yeah. Yeah, July second. Okay. Well, yeah. So, so you, we probably in, maybe not. Yeah, we. I might have seen that one up in up in the DC area. Although, given back then the movies used to last in theaters a lot longer, mm-hmm. it's entirely possible that when we got back to school, we all went, we went and saw it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I was doing like the summer semester that year, so I know I went to the movies with a group. But I guess you you weren't a part of that. But yeah. No, I don't. I never did a summer semester. I do remember us all going to the drive-in for Independence Day. Ooh, you saw yeah. the drive-in. That's that's sweet. I mean, yeah. that was like remember, the second I time I had seen it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing a couple movies at the drive-in back then. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw this one in theaters. I I know for a fact I saw Independence Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but this one I don't know. I. I think it's maybe, to be honest, probably because I've seen it so many times. I think I may have forgotten whether yeah. I've saw it in the theaters or not. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I just I just know that there's no way that Will Smith making a movie about aliens with, you know, Tommy Lee Jones, there was no way I didn't go see this in mm-hmm. the theaters. Yeah. 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 Who would have ever thought that Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones would have worked? I mean, clearly yeah. uh, Barry Sonnenfeld. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I mean, it works. It works great. It it, mm-hmm. it works amazingly. Yeah, like and this now okay, we'll we'll get into this. Let's let's go ahead and talk a little bit more <laughs> of the movie. So you just mentioned directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, mm-hmm. uh, who for people who don't know, he was originally the cinematographer for the Coen Brothers, and then he became a director himself. Of course, he directed the Adams Family, both Adams Family and Adams Family Values. Um, he would, of course, direct all of the uh, trilogy of Men in Black. He didn't direct International. Mm-hmm. Um, he, but he's also jumped jumped over to TV. So I did not know this until I looked it up. He's the guy behind the Patrick Warburton Tick television show, and I'm very excited to now know that. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite shows. Yeah. He's also uh, like exec- executive producer and directed episodes of Netflix's series of unfortunate events and uh, directed and I think executive producer as well of a uh, Schmigadoon on Apple. Oh, yeah. I have, I've, I've, I've been told numerous times I should watch that, but I don't have Apple. So <laughs> one of these days I'll get it. Hinders, yeah. One yeah. of these days I'll get it and I'll watch it. I will say I do think Apple is probably the cheapest it is. Uh, streaming service. But it's also nowadays. probably the one that I watch the least. Oh, I agree. <laughs> Which is why every time I I've agree. got it for free, I burn through Ted Lasso and Mythic Quest and then I cancel it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's about all I've seen. I wa- We watched Smigadoon, we watched Ted Lasso, and I haven't seen any others. I watched a couple of the movies on there, like the uh, Tom Hanks uh, World War II movie I think I watched on there. But anyway, yeah. for, no, discussion I'm for another time. That- there's, I think there's stuff on there I probably would enjoy watching. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's one I don't think of. Yeah, same here. Yeah. So, but uh, what are your thoughts on Barry Sonnenfeld and him? Is he the uh, the wish version of Tim Burton or? <laughs> um, I don't. You give him more credit than that. Yeah. Well, I think he has his own style. I'm sure you know there's some Burton esque influence there, but he doesn't have the same longevity i think as burton does oh he um, definitely didn't i yeah. mean once he made wild wild west that was pretty much it yeah because i say i mean the only the only things that i really associate 
him with is the Men in Black movies. Like, I don't think of, I wouldn't have thought about uh, fam- Adam's family and Adam's family values as being his movies. No, because are you like me? Do you think of those as Tim Burton movies, even though they're not? I mean, yes, they definitely have a Tim Burton feel, but yeah. You know. yeah. But I think that's and just the material, though. That's it's it. it but doesn't even that. doesn't even the opening sequence of this movie feel like Tim Burton? I was going to ask about that. There was something so familiar about the opening credits, not necessarily the dragonfly flying around, but just the lettering. Yeah. Like where, where I, I couldn't find anything about it. So I'm hoping that maybe between the three of us, we can come up with it. Where is that? Why does that lettering seem so familiar to me? I don't know. I'm in the same boat as you. Like I, I think I have always thought that it's like, I've (laughs) seen this somewhere before. And I don't know if I've ever been able to place it. I don't know if it's yeah. it's from like a TV show. The, the credits are in similar uh, similar font. I don't know if there's another movie out there. I, I really don't know, but I definitely know what you're saying. Yeah, when I watched it again, I kind of had the same thought. I was like, maybe this was the first time I saw it. And we've seen it so many times. Like it's it's a font that you can find on most computer programs now or, you know, word processing or you know, making documents, or whatever. So maybe that's why I think it's is it might not have been as common when it first came out, but it's become more common now. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, but it has I, that kind of spidery. It does have a kind of a Tim Burton like. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely sure. see well, where people would think that that Sonnenfeld has a Tim Burton influence, but I would say, like Men in Black, the the movie as a whole doesn't really other than a couple things here or there, for the most part, don't feel very... No, I agree, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. But that opening sequence is is the main connection. And it doesn't help that the the score is done by Danny Elfman. Yeah, I was going to say, I knew the score definitely felt felt very familiar. Who pretty much has done all Tim Burton's movies. Mm -hmm. Well, you want to talk about Um, a guy who owned cinema for a while, like we were talking about Will Smith. Let's talk about Danny Elfman's run. Yeah. I mean... That we we'd forget we wouldn't be able to talk about the rest of this movie if we started going down that rabbit hole. Oh no! no, no. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean, just Batman. That's that's where all Batman, right? The, the man composed Batman. Like, well, <laughs> uh, so all right. So it was written by uh, Ed Solomon. Now, Tim, are you familiar with Ed Solomon? Uh, I feel like I should, but I. Well, you're yes, you should. Me. So Ed Solomon is the uh, co-writer of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, see, I'm not a huge Bill and Ted fan, so that's that's not going to jump out uh, to me as much. I know uh, Nicholas uh, is. <laughs> Nick, Nicholas it, it, is a big fan? I love Bill and Ted's. I love all three of them. I mean, I know that they are increasingly bad, but I still, I still, I, Bill and Ted face the music. I, you know, I still love that movie. I mean, it was yeah. fun. I. Uh, Ed Solomon also wrote uh, Now You See Me. Oh, okay. I like so, those movies. The magician yeah. movies. The, one the of these guy. days I'll watch that. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's a good one. It is. I'll give it's you that. very good. So, uh, yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good if you ask me. Pretty good uh, writing credits there. Uh, and, of course, it is based off of a comic book uh, titled The Men in Black. It does have the in front of it. Uh, written by Lowell Cunningham. We do see in the opening credits. They gets a nice, uh, you know, based on the Marvel comic, 
Ball <laughs> uh, coming. However, it was not a Marvel comic until like right before this movie was made. <laughs> it was it was released by a company called Aircell, so Aircell Comics, which was uh, then bought by Malibu Comics, which people might be a little bit more familiar with. Uh, and then Marvel acquired Malibu Comics in the mid '90s. So it was like as this movie is getting made, uh, Marvel took custody. But Lowell Cunningham would continue as the writer of the comic even once Marvel acquired it. And when Marvel decided to adapt it to fit the movie, when they released uh, some kind of one shots uh, that actually featured the J and K from the movie versus from the original story. The uh, illustrator of the original comic, Sandy Carruthers, to my knowledge, did not continue once Marvel uh, came in. But there are only six issues of the original Men in Black comic. So there were three issues released in 1990. And then there were three issues that came out a year later in 91, which, funny enough, are titled The Men in Black 2. (laughs) <laughs> but those were uh, those were the comics that this was based on, and I will say loosely based on, but we'll get into that. Let's get into the characters. So we have Agent K, played by Tommy Lee Jones. I have shown both Tim and Nicholas the, uh, <laughs> the cover of the Men in Black comic, and uh, so you might not be surprised by that, by this, but do you know the studio actually wanted Clint Eastwood? I can see that. Okay. A grumpy old man. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Oh, and in the comic, he'd fit perfectly. Uh, Then we've got Agent J, played by Will Smith. And, whew, you ready for this one? The studio wanted Chris O'Donnell. Wow. Mm. Talking about someone who they were trying to push on us in the 90s. Yeah, very much so. It's not that he's terrible, I just... He was Robin, that's that's what... Yeah, but, I mean... What else did he do? Three Musketeers. Like, how did he become... The Bachelor... Yeah, but like, what was uh, was the Three Musketeers like his first scent, movie role? Scent of a Woman, right? Oh, it was it was in Scent of a Woman? Yeah, maybe uh, that was his. That was I his mean, uh, breakthrough. He, they had a they really pushed him, and I think Robin really just destroyed it. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, because he he was really big and everywhere for a while, and then he I feel like he just disappeared until he showed back up on TV. Yeah, on NCIS. Yeah. yeah, LA. Yeah. yeah, NCIS, Los Angeles. Yeah, I'm. So the story goes is that uh, the studio wanted Chris O'Donnell and Barry Sonnenfeld had a phone call, had dinner. I don't, I don't know, but actually talked him out of accepting it. <laughs> Good old Barry, way to go, Barry. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, to say that that was the right choice. Uh, I don't know if we're talking about this movie. I mean, I don't dislike Chris O'Donnell. I just, I, I don't. I mean, other than Batman and Robin, I don't know if I've ever been like, "Wow, he's the problem in this movie." Um, but I just don't think this movie fit him. Fit him, and I definitely don't think it it hits the same without Will Smith taking that role. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I hundred percent agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then we've got Dr. Laura Weaver, mm-hmm. played by Linda Forentino. Mm-hmm. Edgar, played brilliantly <laughs> yes. by Vincent D'Onofrio. Absolutely. Uh, I did find out that that role had was also offered to John Turturro and okay. Bruce Campbell. Ooh. Ooh. I think any of those guys. I mean, 
I'm not going to take anything away from Vincent D'Onofrio, but I no. think both Turturro and Campbell would have delivered something great in that role as well. Turturro would have been my third choice, only because I think he can get overly campy, i.e., any of the term, well, uh, any of the Transformer movies that he was in. I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, Bruce I, Campbell would have been a good second choice. I I say this with all love of Bruce Campbell. I have his books. I've seen almost every movie oh, yeah. that he's been in. But if you want to talk about campy, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, he is the king of the B movie actors. Oh, yeah. what was that brain movie? The Screaming Brain. Yes. What? Yeah, that one was. Yes. Oh, I, that was such so bad, but so good. Yes. I mean, but I think, but I think with with Campbell, it's a little tongue in cheek his campiness. Like it's it's kind of a wink wink to the camera. Like, oh, don't you see me being campy with with uh, the Totoro? He's just he just wants to be as campy as possible, just to yeah. be outrageous. So I, I can see that. Yeah, that's an argument that I will I will live with. Or I also think Totoro probably would have done it similar to D'Onofrio. Campbell mm-hmm. would have been a completely yeah. different character. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that wholehearted. All right, then we've got Zed played yeah. by the late great Rip Torn. Yep. And, and then I can't not mention Jack Jeebs, played by <laughs> Tony Shalhoub. Of course. Uh, and then I also, for you, Tim, wanted to mm-hmm. mention that Frank the Pug is voiced by Tim Blaney, who is also the voice of Johnny Five from yeah. Short Circuit. Yeah. Uh, so let me go ahead and ask. So of the cast, and I, that was pretty much all of them, unless you want to also mention Edgar's wife. But uh, who do you want to see again? And who do you wish would be erased from your memory with a neuralizer? I mean, if I had to pick somebody to erase, because they surely did a good job of it themselves, Linda Fiorentino. <laughs> I agree. I'm, I mean, I'm just going to, I'll jump in and say it now. I, I agree. Yeah. I don't have her any problem. Was pointless. I don't have any problems with her. She did a fine yeah. job with what little she was given. Um, mm. And I have enjoyed her and a lot of other stuff, but like they really just were like, we have to throw in something to. I'm, I don't do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they felt the need to shoehorn in yeah. another character, but they yeah, did. We and... need a female character. We need. Right. I can honestly say when I was rewatching this, I forgot that she was actually in the movie. Like when I think about men in black, I never think of her character in this movie. I can tell you the only reason I remember her character is because once she becomes an agent, mm-hmm. they carry that into the animated series. Oh, OK. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that's why she was there. And so there wasn't there was Agent <laughs> L in the animated series. Right. But yeah, she would yeah, I would agree with you. She's the only one I would yeah, I wouldn't want to see return. But the one that I want to keep I want to see more of, I love Tony Shalhoub. I thought he was great. Uh yeah. and he's got, you know, his part's really, really minor in the movie. But everybody else is so perfectly cast. I love Rip Torn as Zed. When I you've already talked about Vincent as Edgar is just you know cream of the crop and then Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith worked really well together, which you didn't think was going to work. And it did. So no, again, on paper, that should not have yeah. worked. I do want to mention that the van dryer, van, I'm sorry, the van driver was played by John Grease, who was the Wolfman in monster squad. So I had to throw in an eighties reference there for you. Uh, Uncle Rico, Uncle Rico from Napoleon dynamite. That's Although cool. whenever I see him, I still think of, uh, and I cannot remember his character's name, but there was a show in the late 90s called The Pretender. Oh, yeah, yeah I remember that show. I love that UPN. 
Yeah. Uh, I loved that show. Um, yeah. So it whenever all- I... I think of that show, and then I think of other stuff that he was in. But. Yeah, yeah. Yep, he was also in Real yeah. Genius in, in the 80s as well. Smaller part. But yeah, no, I, I agree. The the Dr. Laurel character, yeah, she's just pointless. Like, I did not get what was the... Yeah, she was really only there to be... Because you kind of knew Tommy Lee Jones was going to retire at the end. So she was kind of shoehorned in to be, you know, the next partner. Yeah, the the next new recruit at the end. Uh, But it's it's, it is very well shoehorned into the into the plot where she's really not needed. But that's the only reason she's there. Yeah. So let's talk about that ending really quick since you brought it up. Mm -hmm. So they they, of course, do the K choosing to have his memory wiped away. Mm hmm. We, of course, know he comes back for the sequel. Right. So that's my problem. He comes back for the sequel. But at the end of this movie, not only is Jay now, you know, an established agent and he now has L as his partner. Mm-hmm. But they also have new glasses that he's wearing a completely different suit. Mm-hmm. But when the sequel comes up, we're just going to ignore all that. We're going to go back to the Ray-Bans. We're going to go back to the shirt and tie. Oh, yeah. Uh, but how 90s was that suit he's wearing at the end? <laughs> Very course. 90s. He's got to bring his his flair and his style to it at that point. Yeah. How 90s was everything Will Smith wore before he put on? <laughs> uh, yeah, that outfit before he became before he became yes. K when he was just yeah. somehow an NYPD officer in whatever tracksuit he was wearing right right well in the opening yeah he's 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 wearing like the uh, the pants of a uh a prison jumpsuit right right got the orange pants <laughs> which that's the other thing him saying that he ran down the alien he didn't run down that alien he took a bus for a good <laughs> chunk of that chase he jumped on the back of a van uh, or a uh, newspaper truck mm-hmm. which let me let me just point out that truck's moving slower than he was running. So didn't quite <laughs> he to, understand. He had that. to catch his breath. He had to catch his breath. Yeah. The only thing impressive he does is when he runs up all the floors of that uh that building. I, mm-hmm. I know that's a famous building in New York, but I don't know the name of it. Isn't uh, it the Guggenheim? It, I think it is the Guggenheim. Um, which I'm pretty sure probably has an elevator. I uh, would almost guarantee that they do. Yeah. So it's, not so, ex- it's just not as exciting in the chase scene. And I don't know why the guy didn't think he could get it, get off the uh, the roof without jumping, considering he scaled it to get up there. Right. Yeah. So don't, I don't want to bash this movie too much. But don't think too you, hard. Yeah, yeah. If you if you do start thinking about some stuff, there's a lot that doesn't make sense. Well, like, you know, the fact that uh, Kay is like, hey, you've been on the job for about a day now. Yeah. Erase my memory. You're in charge now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wasn't training a partner. I was training a replacement. I was like, yeah, and you got that from two days worth of work. Right, right. He has all the instincts that you need to be a great agent. I saw it in you first when I first saw you. Okay, we'll get into some more of the scenes in a minute. Going back to the characters. So I want to talk about which ones are from the comics. Okay. Uh, J, K, and Zed. That's that's it. it. (laughs) And Zed, Zed is a loose interpretation because in the comic... Zed is just um, a voice. We're not entirely sure if he's human. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of comes across as he could just be some sort of like computer program, like an AI of some sort. Uh, but that's Zed in the comic. There is no he's no he's not like in charge of the men in black. He's mm-hmm. more of he's more of like a Jarvis. Like, OK, kind of kind of like you always see in the movie, you know, K calling Zed and saying, hey, Zed, we've got a, you know, level whatever or containment and all that type of stuff. And that's all Zed is now. K K K is similar in the comic. But in the comic, K has no redeemable feature at all. <laughs> K has no regard for anyone. He mm. seems to actually enjoy punishing uh, other people. And uh, he looks at J as expendable. Okay. In fact, uses him several times as bait in some of the storylines. They, they at least gave, gave K a little bit of a redeeming factor uh, because he is not a good guy in the comic. And then Jay is a, uh, a white guy with blonde hair. <laughs> that looks like Donald Trump on the cover. That kind of looks like Donald Trump on the, the cover of the, the comic that I have. Uh, he's a DEA agent in the comic, not a New York cop. Okay. And uh, we never learned his real name. So the, the whole uh, Jay's real name, which I have totally forgotten at this point, it's something I, Edwards. I was just looking it up because I was having a thought. It was James Daryl Edwards the Third. Yes, there you go. Which which appears on a computer screen only to then be deleted, but clearly that is that was just typed on that computer screen before it was deleted. <laughs> it d- deleted to then retype the letter J. Yeah, just to have <laughs> yeah. this big fancy font J right. on the screen. You could have just deleted everything but the J. You know. So here's some more trivia for you. So when he mentions about his third grade, finding out his third grade teacher is in fact an alien and it shows the close up of her, it does show her location to be Philadelphia because uh, we all know that that is where he was born and raised. West Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The, the only problem is, most of his days. It, well, but here's the problem. <laughs> so when they're going through all of his documentation, his birth certificate says he was born in New York. Then his passport was issued in Indiana. <laughs> He's been all over. Yeah, so I'm not 100% sure where exactly uh, Jay is from in this. But uh, but yeah, so that that's pretty much it in terms of the characters. Uh, again, K is a little bit more, again, Clint Eastwood probably like. Uh, and then Jay was a really by-the-book a DEA agent who gets wrapped up with the men in black. And of course, like I said, he was also a white guy. So, so there and you go. And it's also super convenient that his name started with J so they could name him <laughs> J yes. and the other agent was K and yes. then they were able to replace him with a, with a lady whose name was started with an L. L. So yes. you just, yeah, I'm super convenient. So they're yes. kind of, yeah, they're kind of like hurricanes. They can't, they all have to have a different name that starts with a different letter. Yeah, because his old partner was D, mm-hmm. and then of course, and then I love it's it's Zed. They're using the British <laughs> alphabet. <sighs> what seems to be the problem, pal? There's just so much pain in the world, so many issues. I don't think I can bear it. Well, friendo, it sounds like you could use a dose of pop culture roulette. 
Pop Culture Roulette? What's that? Some sort of pop culture-themed podcast or something? That's right, sonny boy. When hope seems far, dive into some PCR! But I already get my entertainment news from Variety. Huh, that's pretty good. If you're a chucklehead, PCR gives you news you need, condensed, unfiltered, and raw, from three nerds who know a little something about something. Wow, okay, sign me up. That's the spirit. Pop Culture Roulette. New episodes every Monday, available on all major podcast directories. All right, let's get into the moving panels, and uh, I'm, I actually want to ask you guys. So we've already talked character-wise, but do you think there was anything from this movie that you suspect may have been straight from a comic? I mean, I'm going to assume like certain aspects of the characters, like the Neuralizer or maybe the car, or you okay. know, having an agency. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the uh, the neuralizer. We'll talk about that first. So, is the neuralizer in the comic? Yes, mm-hmm. but in the comic, the neuralizer looks more just like a flashlight. Like they just he just aims it like a flashlight. <laughs> it flashes like a flashlight. I will say though, it also like even though it does the brainwashing, it's more of they are still able to talk while they're being. Uh, under the influence okay uh, so it's usually how jay and or more more so k gets information i will say it also leads to some really just weird moments which they kind of play around with with edgar's wife and jay and k kind of arguing about what should be said and how they should be treated and but yeah because i mean k could in the comic he would flash somebody with the neuralizer and then make them, you know, jump off a roof or something. Oh, K again is not nice in the comic at all. But yeah, so yeah, it looks more like a uh, flashlight in the uh, the comic and less like uh, something that I'm not going to say on this podcast that, <laughs> that it does in the movie. A long stick. Sorry. It rhymes with <laughs> stick. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so I'm getting us in trouble. So the other thing you mentioned was the car. So this is the thing about the comic, even though they do have the neuralizer. Other than that, there's not a lot of flashy and not a lot of gadgets. Uh, they do have the ability, like I talked about earlier, to talk to Zed through like, you know, communication device inside the car. And I want to say there's even like a little TV inside the car. But other than that, it's just a regular car. Other than that, they kind of just use traditional weapons, you know, shotguns and handguns. And like there, there is no there's not a lot of the gadgets. And in terms of an organization other than J and K, we don't see any of it Okay. in any of the com. I didn't read all six. I'm going to be honest. I read the first three. Then when I found out that the other three came out before the movie, I was like, well, OK, let me find the other three. Found the other three, got through the fourth one and then about half of the fifth one. Because no offense to Lowell Cunningham, I they're not fun to read. So uh, so I didn't get through all six. But yeah, so no, no fancy cars, no fancy gadgets uh, or anything. And then like I said, no, there's really no organization other than we're just told about the men in black. But we don't see any other evidence other than J and K. Anything else? Is uh, Tim, you got anything that you thought maybe maybe that came straight from the comic? Uh, I mean, I think we talked about this a little bit when we were discussing the movie about how 
you know, if if you didn't know this was based on a comic book, you know, did it feel like a comic book movie? And we kind of decided that, no, it just seemed like a story and a script that they could kind of adapt to some characters from the comic. So I didn't really think of anything in the plot, kind of like Nicholas said, nothing really in the plot that I would think was, stood out to me. Think, oh, I bet you that came from the comic. So there was nothing that really stood out to me. I mean, I, there's parts of the story that I like. I mean, I like the whole Orion, uh, Orion's belt, Orion's belt being with which the for cat. a little alien yeah. that can speak perfect English, how did he not know that it's <laughs> called a collar and not a belt? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I. I'm. You know, and this is a question you normally ask, or maybe we talked about it on on the bracket. I can say I don't think I knew this was a comic book going in. Yeah, I know yeah. I didn't. Like I Yeah, I, I think I kinda kinda passed that since we had already talked <laughs> about it in our bracket. But like so. cause now now when I see it like big, bold, like on the you know, Marvel Comics present you know, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, okay. But like it doesn't have like the standard Marvel Comics opening or a Stan Lee cameo. Well, I mean, if you really think about it, this was, you know, this is pre-Blade. Right. This was kind of Marvel's first successful movie of the 90s. Because, you know, before oh, this... come on it, now. You're had... going to say that Captain America wasn't successful? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, you I mean, in the 90s, you had Captain America, you had The Punisher, and... You had the unreleased Fantastic Four movie. I mean, that was that was what Marvel had put out. And so, yeah. And you talk about, you know, big. It, it's just it's in the credits. Like mm-hmm. if you're not paying any attention, which I'm sure many people don't. Right. You don't notice it says based on the Marvel comic by Lowell Cunningham. Because Lowell Cunningham's name's huge. Mm-hmm. Right. But up there, based on the Marvel comic. I bet more people see it now that Marvel, because in 97... Marvel yeah. would have been something that people kind of maybe knew about just because Spider-Man, Captain America, like they existed and people kind of knew, but not to the level where they know them now. Like, yeah. you know, like I bet you the people who are watching it for the first time now see that and go, ooh, you know, where back in 97, we just were like, whatever, <laughs> you know, moving on. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't something that really catch to catch our attention. Uh, so talking a little bit more about the comic, uh, and I will tell you, there is there is a connection to the comic, but we'll get to it in a second. So the comic is completely different from style, everything that this movie is. So the artwork now I own a trade back that's got all three of the original uh, comics in it. But if you go to the individual comics, the artwork that I'm assuming Sandy Carruthers also did very reminiscent of like the pulp comics. You know, you definitely know that you're you're going into something kind of darker with the uh, the the original covers. And of course, the inside of the comic is it's an entirely black and white comic, hmm. which, uh, you know, I've talked about before with like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, also entirely black and white comic. And it's just dark and gloomy. Everything about this minimum, it's very if if you were to compare it to anything, it's very much like the X-Files. The, the actual comic. Um, and that's not just in the tone of you've got these, you know, quote unquote government agents who are battling the supernatural, but also in that dark, uh, darker. But I will say this X-Files at least had some humor in it. 
mm-hmm. which the comic does not. There is no laughs. There's definitely no jokes. So what what we love about Men in Black, none of that came from the source material. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, I mean, just the recruiting of Jay. So in this movie, we've got Jay has tracked down the the one alien, which has impressed K. He then speaks with him. And I do want to, again, not want to bash this movie a lot, but I do have to point out a few few little plot points. So he flashes with the neuralizer. He flashes Jay. Then we see them eating. And then he gives him the card. So did did he not erase Jay's memory? Does Jay still know what's going on? I'm I was so confused <laughs> by that scene. Like what does Jay think he's recruiting him for? Like Yeah, that is a good question and I guess I never thought of it. Because if you erase the, the the memory of the alien, then he's like, "What is this MIB that's trying to wants me to go to this weird tunnel, mm-hmm. yeah, and like have a job interview or you know, like why am I going here?" <laughs> yeah, that that part. I'd, and then of course we get the whole recruitment, which I'm going to say the taking the test in the uncomfortable chair <laughs> and then dragging the table mm-hmm. is the greatest scene in yeah. this movie. Yeah, it's still hilarious. Yep. Yeah. It is perfectly timed the length of time that it takes him to drag it. Mm-hmm. The sound of the table mm-hmm. going across the floor is that is best scene. I know it has nothing to do with really the <laughs> the whole plot and but is is to me is the best scene in the movie. But in the comic book in the comic book essentially K kidnaps Jay. Okay. Uh like I said earlier, Jay is a DEA agent. There is this uh, drug called Berserk that uh, is being passed around and Jay is trying to find the source and all that. K ends up involved. Uh, so he essentially kidnaps Jay, though he tells Jay that uh, he has been requisitioned mm-hmm. and he gives him an ultimatum. He's either, why don't you join me and join the, the men in black or I'll erase your memory uh, you'll forget everything that has happened here, which will ruin months of your undercover work and uh, completely ruin your job. And yeah. so he does that. That's the choice that Jay makes. And then he just gives him a suit out of the trunk of the car. And that's that's where they go from there. And, and he doesn't go. The, but I make this look good. No. Oh, man. <laughs> no. no. They still have the sunglasses for the neuralizer, although they also talk about uh, their contacts that they could also choose to wear that would protect them from the neuralizer. Wouldn't, wouldn't look as cool though. But. No, but I think I'd wear maybe the contacts and the sunglasses, like, you know, just <laughs> to make sure I never accidentally neuralize myself. Or when Kay is just neuralizing the, the corner and Jay has to quickly throw the glasses in front of his face. Yeah. But also in the comic, uh, as you just kind of heard me talk about with the first issue, it's not just aliens. Again, this is very X-Files-like. They go after demons. Uh, the first one's kind of like is demon connection. It's like some cult uh, with this berserker or, or berserk drug. There, there are zombies. There are werewolves. Uh, there's this super-powered former agent. Yeah, first issue is them going up a demonic cult, uh, going up against a demonic cult with the super drug and. It, Lowell Cunningham even said at one point, I guess if he got to continue doing the series, he wanted them to meet Bigfoot. Uh, but 
that didn't didn't ever happen. But let me talk about the one connection. Okay. So the second issue, which is called Encounter, is an alien, and the aliens are bug-like. They do look semi-similar to what the bug inside of Edgar eventually looks like, and we are introduced to them as they show up at a farm, and a farmer comes out with a shotgun, although his name is Horace. But here is the one <laughs> connection. These words are straight from the comic book. You want my rifle? Well, you can have my gun when you pry it from my cold, dead fingers. And the alien's reply is, that is acceptable. <laughs> the only difference is, they don't kill him. They, the, these bugs are not as bad as the bug from the movie. Okay. Their interpretation of that statement is, they are going to wait until Edgar dies <laughs> in order to get his gun. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, oh. so there you go. There's your one connection. Uh, other than that, there's nothing. I mean, <laughs> the men in black in the comic, they they are. I mean, it's kind of what Jay thinks they are a little bit in the movie. Like they are just brainwashing people and trying to control all sorts of, you know, any sort of narrative. They're making sure no one knows anything about anything with paranormal, supernatural, anything. And again, because you're getting this all from K, uh, just doesn't care. Uh, and the closest you get to that is the scene in the movie where uh, Jay is trying to get Edgar and just shooting wildly with the uh, the cricket. And then K, you know, stops him and says, we do not fire our weapons up in public, you know, blah, 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 and gives him that big speech. Um, but that's it. I'm going to say the comic is not good. <laughs> I'm not going to rec recommend the comic. So one of the rare occasions where the movie is better than the source material. Absolutely. And Marvel couldn't even capitalize on it. I mean, they turned, they like I said, they rebooted the franchise, but used the characters from the, in fact, I think the first issue of Marvel's Men in Black was just an adaptation of, of the, the movie. movie. And then they, they did a little extra, uh, but it didn't, it didn't pick up like, I mean, you don't. There are no more Men in Black comics that you. I mean, it just it didn't. The movies got successful. The comic did not. Gotcha. Any other thoughts before we give our final decisions here? Any scenes you want to talk about? Since again, there's nothing, <laughs> nothing related to the comic. Um, I really. I mean, there's a lot of just fun little scenes here and there, but uh, I remember seeing in the theater going, "I can't wait to watch this when I rent it when I get it home, so I can pause it to see." all of the people on the screen because they had like Spielberg yeah. and uh, Newt Gingrich. Yeah. Was it? Let's talk about the, you mean the most nineties yes, uh, references? Yes. 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 Right. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then they even make a reference to Don, uh, Dennis Rodman. Yeah. At the very end. Yeah. Oh, oh even yeah, yeah, yeah. I even like the one to Elvis when mm -hmm. he talks about, yeah. Yeah. You know, Elvis is dead, right? He is not dead. He just went home. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of that was one of the the cool like I remember rewatching re it. I was like, I should pause this and go back and like kind of pick out everybody in the different screens, or whatever. So, uh, yeah, um, you had Sylvester Stallone. I know was in one mm -hmm. of them. Yeah, but very yes, very nineties references. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it, it it it's a fun movie. I mean, like I said, I, even going back and rewatching it, it's it's still a fun rewatch. There's a lot of fun scenes. We talked about the the taking the test was a great scene. Um, 
yeah, I, I just think that I just want, we talked about it, but the Vincent D'Onofrio's transformation is yeah, the <sighs> slow transformation is yeah. just, you know, one of the best parts about this movie for sure. And the, the speech, you know, his, 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 the way his voice changes and everything was just done really well. So, uh, just about any scene that he's in, I really enjoyed. And, and so, yeah. I, uh, I don't remember what the context was, but I wrote the line down. We here at the FBI don't have a sense of humor that we're aware of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was a good line. Yeah. Because, yeah, who was it? Was it? I think it was Edgar's wife. Isn't she the one that asks? And no, ma'am, we the FBI don't. Oh, have yeah, that's what it was. Because, oh, yeah. you're just here to make fun of me? Like the rest of them? No, ma'am, we here at the FBI don't have a sense of humor that we're aware of. Right. Yeah. Right. All right, well, let's go ahead and jump into it. Final decisions, bag it, stack it, or trade it. Uh, Tim, why don't you go first? Not necessarily because of the comic bookness of it, but I would bag this one because it's just, it's still a great movie and a lot of fun, and it's one that, you know, I enjoy watching on a regular basis. Um, so for that reason, I will bag this one. I mean, I, I think I, I think I'm going to bag it pretty much for the exact same reasons. I mean, yeah, I know it has nothing to do with the comics, <laughs> nor do I really yeah. care. I just, I enjoy this movie and rewatching <laughs> yeah. it again for the first time in a long time. It holds up for the most part. Yeah, it does. Like it really does. You know what? We didn't talk an awful lot about like the special effects. Yeah. Very I, well done. You know, I will say there's some that, you know, eh, they, they're dated a little bit. But the amount of practical effects mm -hmm. that are in this. Which always hold up better, well, typically yes. hold up better than CGI stuff, yeah. Especially since you're still in the nascent days of CGI, where you've got yeah. some, and it's getting better by 97, but it's still not there yet. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah, having much more practical make it makes it, for the most part, hold up. Yeah, you're right. There's a couple things that, you know, here and there, and obviously we could... You know, if you watch any movie long enough, you can start nitpicking it. But, you know, it uh, for the most part, it, it holds up and it's it still does. it's still a really fun watch. It's kind of hard for me to remember the difference between this one and the second one. <laughs> but, you know, I, you know, but there was there were parts I kept waiting for. And I was like, oh, I must be the second one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I well, The less we say about the third one, I think the better. But um <laughs> And hey, Thanos one. is good in that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I say a bag it too. Again, this movie is good in spite of the comic. Mm -hmm. And like we've said, it's an, it's an under the radar Marvel movie when Marvel movie meant nothing, mm -hmm. you know, cause mm -hmm. again, it wouldn't be until a year later when blade would kind of start to put Marvel back on the map. And it's also coming out when, as uh, Nicholas has said before, when comic movies were comic book movies were about, to die because Batman and Robin had come out. <laughs> so I, I like that, you know, it, it's a good one that's in there and yeah. whether or not, whether or not you really do think of it as a comic book movie or not, it's still just a really good movie. Yeah. Um, I will say so, now that I will say now that you brought up that the, in the comic, it wasn't just aliens. I wish the sequels would have gone, you know, kind of stretched that a little bit more. Instead of yeah, just but being don't, about aliens. Don't you think, though, that if they were to have gone any other direction, that it would have it would have felt cheap? 
Yeah, if you didn't know if you didn't know that was the source material, like if it wasn't well, referenced also, at all, if it wasn't referenced at all in the first one, it would feel like oh, you were just trying to do something different instead of or or you would have just turned it into a big screen version of the X Files. Yeah. yeah, but also also the the whole notion of men in black, like mm-hmm. the the real life connection people have with who are the men in black mm-hmm. always has a connection to aliens. Yeah, I mean they do the real the real and I'm using quotes yeah. here, men in black <laughs> do have some right. do have some paranormal, uh, but mainly it's just aliens. I mean yeah. most most of the stories you read about the men in black they are actually aliens themselves, not a secret government organization. Um, and no. they're much darker and much more nefarious. Yeah. Well, like I said, that's what the comic is. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, the, if you want to get into the dark, nefarious side, uh, last podcast on the left did a series on, on the real Men in Black, uh, which has nothing to do with the movie <laughs> and is not as family friendly. But. So it's not like the real Ghostbusters cartoon where it's like the- No, <laughs> no. I I enjoy this version of the Men in Black way more than the uh the <laughs> quote unquote real version of the right. Men in Black. Alright, well let's go ahead and wrap it up there. So uh there you have it. Our runner up for the best nineties comic book related movie, Men in Black. Uh, and now we've got you know sequels we can do and all that. Even though yeah, there's not, they're going to get further and further away from this comic because <laughs> uh, this one already did. But uh, so Nicholas, you got anything coming up with uh, pop culture roulette you'd like to share? Uh, well, we should have recorded episode 100, but I have got a thing that I can't say much about happening right now. That when I do reveal it, I think is going to be really exciting. But I I hate being a obscure because i just i can't stand it when people do it on facebook but like at this point (laughs) at this point i'm pretty much legally not allowed to talk about it right right you know exciting things coming yes so you know hopefully hopefully it's going to be really exciting and not just a complete bust but either way we should be recording episode 100 here pretty soon very nice and uh tim i know with the uh the halloween season approaching yes I know you've got some plans for uh, for the 80s flick flashback. So what yep. you got? Yep. Laramie, you're joining me for our first entry for the spooky season because we do have three Fridays in October. Or I'm sorry, there are five Fridays in October this year. So I get to do three episodes. So we're going to do Creep Show, uh, the original Creep Show movie, which does have the some comic. Loose comic. Yeah, book. loose comic yeah. connection. And then uh, I believe Nicholas will be joining me for... Uh, Friday the Thirteenth, a new beginning, or is it a new be- yeah, a new beginning, and then Halloween Five is the one after that. All right, well, thanks everybody for tuning in, uh, rate and review the show. We appreciate it, and uh, again, we ourselves are getting into uh, the holiday season as we've got stuff coming up. Uh, we're gonna do From Hell uh, is one that's uh, gonna be our Halloween one, and Blake is gonna join me to talk about. Uh, even though they haven't turned it yet into any type of uh, series or movie. Uh, We're going to talk about the comic book, Something is Killing the Children. So that's a a very interesting read, and this is a good time time of year to talk about something like that. So tune in for that one, but we'll wrap things up for today. For Moving Panels, I'm Laramie Wells, and I'll see you on the other side of the page.